Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. Have you ever uh, thought about uh, the problem of uh, evil and suffering? The problem of evil and suffering. And this is a difficult uh, subject for many people. The thing is that uh, evil certainly exists in this world. Uh, Wickedness exists. Uh, Calamities exist. A couple of weeks ago, uh, there was a train accident uh, in India, and two to three uh, three trains uh, smacked onto each other, and uh, almost 300 people died, and almost around 1,000 people badly were injured. The onlookers, those who saw the scene, they said uh, there were hands and legs and someone's faces and flesh all around uh, all around the place. And uh, it was a very difficult sight to behold. The thing is that uh, such tragedies exist. And often people ask when they see something like that, where was God? What was he doing? There were children. Uh, there were children. Uh, there were people uh, who were old and helpless. And uh, in a split second, uh, they all lost their life. And some of them are maimed uh, for their entire life. So one of the first questions is, where was God? And often, even believers ask such questions. Lord, where are you? Where were you? Why does these things exist? Well, the thing is that uh, the scripture does not give us and give us a clear answer. Such questions are, in a certain sense, uh, you know, some people sympathize when they see suffering. They're more sympathetic and they ask such questions. And as human beings, we ask such questions. But the thing is that uh, Bible does not give us a uh, clear answer other than to say that God is sovereign. He is sovereign over everything. Uh, There is no molecule in the universe over which he has no control. Uh, He is sovereign over everything and he has allowed it. And more than that, uh, scripture does not give us an easy answer other than to show us that God is God, let God be God. And we are human beings and uh, we will not have all our answers in this lifetime. So we'll have to be content with what God has revealed. And when it comes to mystery, let mystery remain a mystery. In the previous chapter, we saw that a day will come when Christ will return again and judge the whole world in righteousness and equity. And his people should be faithful stewards as they await his coming from heaven. That means it uh, matters how you live and what you do with your time and resources which God has uh, given you. 
your life is not your life. You may think that your life is your life, but your life is not your life. It belongs to God. So you must dedicate your life in serving, uh, serving him with the gifts, talents, graces, ability God has given you. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. If you are in lack, then perhaps uh, you are not seeking Christ and neither you are laboring for his kingdom. But if you seek uh, him and his kingdom, then Jesus said, uh, he will provide for you. Then we also saw that it happened for believers to suffer for his name uh, on account of him. If you profess faith in Lord Jesus Christ and serve him, uh, then there would be people who would be offended at you. And this may cause real divisions in your relationships. There is a real antithesis between believers and unbelievers. And as you sanctify Christ uh, and uh, as you serve Christ, sanctify him uh, as your Lord, uh, there are people who are going to be hating you. There are people who are going to be offended at you. And the antithesis between Christians and non-Christians will be more manifest, will be more manifest. You will see an increasing hostility between the children of light and the children of darkness. But know that a day will come when he will return once again, bringing retribution on all those who oppose him and his gospel. We left the last chapter pointing to the need that you must make peace with your adversary. Because uh, if you are living in sin, God is the greatest adversary. You must make peace with your adversary uh, uh, immediately, lest he put you uh, in the prison of hell and you never come out of it. So we reflected a little bit on the uh, pointed uh, on the on the theme of uh, evil in the world. So the Bible does not give us a straight answer, but here Jesus teaches us something which is very relevant for us today. What what is he teaching us today? What is he teaching us today from this passage? So this is what we are going to see uh, today from this passage. You must repent and bear fruits worthy of repentance. You must repent and bear fruits worthy of repentance. This we are going to see under two headings. The first thing, the need for repentance stated from verses 1 to 5. And then the need for repentance illustrated from verses 6 to 9. The need for repentance stated from verses 1 to 5. Now in verse 5, we see uh, that there were some who were present with Jesus who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. In other words, they spoke about the recent injustice uh, uh, some people had suffered at the hands of Pilate. So it was, uh, it was something which was uh, very fresh in their minds. And that's why they were, uh, they were talking about this injustice to Jesus. And Jesus uh, is from Galilee. He is from the northern uh, part of uh, Israel, from the northern part of Israel. So perhaps they thought that it is 
good to discuss about this injustice with uh, Jesus. Now, we do not have any record of this injustice, which is uh, mentioned uh, uh, here or in, in, a, in any other historical uh, writings. But, mo but most likely, this was about a massacre which took place in the temple courtyard. Galileans were known for their fearless attitude. And it looks like uh, some of the Galileans had gathered together uh, at the temple for worship. But Pilate, uh, the ruler uh, of, the, of this place, considered them as rebels. So he thought that perhaps they were they are planning, they were uh, scheming against him. And then he ordered massacre. Perhaps their blood had mingled with the blood of sacrifices. Like that means when they were offering their sacrifices in the temple, the soldiers, the Roman soldiers suddenly came upon them and slaughtered them. And some of their blood got mingled with the blood of the sacrifices in the temple. This was pure evil. This was pure evil. Just a week ago, there was a brutal attack uh, on a school in Uganda, which left 40 people dead. BBC reported that the students were singing gospel songs. They were singing gospel songs uh, just before uh, they were about to go to bed uh, for the night. But their songs were interrupted by gunfire of the Islamic militants as they entered the dormitory killing people indiscriminately. The use, uh, there's uh, killing indiscriminately, and for almost an hour, it was the dance of death, mayhem, and screams. Death, mayhem, and scream. Entire place was bludgeoned by Islamic militants in a short period of time. This is the hard reality of this fallen world. Evil exists. Wickedness exists. Wicked people kill, destroy, and maim others. Pilate had massacred Jewish worshippers whom, uh, whom he thought as a threat. And that is a talking point here. Uh, this is what uh, th these people were talking to Jesus. Look at the injustice in this world. They were discussing injustice to Jesus. But what does Jesus say here? What does Jesus say here? That's important. We all talk about the problem of evil. You know, these people also spoke about the problem of evil, injustice. Uh, with uh, Jesus. But what is Jesus' response here? Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. The rhetorical question of Jesus implies that some of them were thinking that these people suffered injustice because they were sinners. 
people in ancient world uh, held the view that uh, pe- some people suffer more than the others because they might have uh, committed some grievous sins when job's friend came to comfort him in his calamity one of his friends eliphaz charged him with sin saying who that was innocent ever perish or where were the upright cut off so his understanding was that uh, if you are righteous if you are innocent that you will not suffer but if you are a wicked person then you will suffer so he was uh, asking like you know who you know who that was innocent ever perish or where was a pride cut off so job job there is you know some kind of secret sin in your life that's why you are suffering then in john chapter 9 there was this blind man uh, blind man about whom the disciples are saying rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind the assumption is that uh, the assumption is this that people uh, suffer because of their sins but what did jesus say uh, neither this man sinned and neither his uh, parents sinned but uh, because the work of god has to be manifest in his life that's why his condition i'm just para- paraphrasing even today there are many who think that people suffer because of their sins we are too quick to judge those who go through calamities and various trials uh, that's our human nature at times we condemn the sufferer at times we condemn the sufferer rather than sympathizing with those who go through various calamities now i'm not saying that at times people might not have been suffering of uh, suffering the consequences of their actions that's not what i am saying sometimes people do suffer the consequences of their actions when jonah was running from obeying the commandments of god uh, jonah chapter 1 says that god sent a storm in the sea and the ship in which he was traveling began to break up jonah chapter 1 verse 7 shows us that the people on board cast lots to know on account of whom the storm arose and guess whom on uh, uh, guess on whom it fell jonah was sleeping uh, peacefully uh, in his chamber and the people came and woke him up and asked him what did you do yeah. so it is true that at times people suffer because of their sin but the thing is that here this is what you need to keep in mind the thing is that it is not easy to interpret providence amen it is not easy to interpret providence and neither we should uh, neither we should uh, try to act as as if we can interpret every single providence uh, and calamities in people's life it is wrong you should not try to interpret providence and neither you should charge people with sin when they go through calamity in their life you should not be judge, judging them harshly in a heartless manner we are called to mourn with those who mourn we are called to weep with those who weep sympathize with those who go through troubles at difficult times and fiery trials in their life instead of uh, pointing to some sin in their life in a very uh ungodly or uh, 
without uh, sympathy. God is the judge of all living beings and the knower of hearts. God knows, but we don't know. Here, Jesus uses this opportunity to tell that they must repent lest they all likewise perish. Jesus did not say that they were not sinners. He did not say that they were not sinners. Neither he said that they were worse sinners because they suffer such things. The thing is that, that all human beings are sinners, being born and conceived in sin. Death comes to all and everyone perishes one or the other day. Some die through tragic accident or calamity and others die in their old age after they have lived uh, their life well. But everyone dies. Everyone dies. Just yesterday, just yesterday, I came to know that my grandmother died. I didn't expect that. But uh, she just died. Uh, in the night, she was sleeping. And around uh, 2 a.m., uh, she had uh, some breathing trouble. And uh, because it was night, uh, they could not take her to the hospital on the spot. And by 4.30, she just passed away. Uh, but because she was a faithful uh, Christian who served uh, her Lord faithfully as a, uh, as a good wife, as a mother of seven children... Uh, none of us, I think, are really sad. We are sad in the sense that we will not see her now when we'll go and visit uh, uh, our uh, place. But at the same time, uh, we are happy that uh, uh, she was a Christian. Uh, she was a faithful Christian, in fact. I still remember uh, that uh, early in the morning, my grandparents, uh, both of them around 5 a.m. would get up, uh, sing hymns, and uh, pray pretty loudly. And, <laughs> and, and that was our alarm. In those days, there was no alarm. People didn't keep alarm. So for us, five, five, at 5 a.m., we hear our grandparents uh, singing, and we get up from our bed. So they lived a very faithful uh, Christian life. But even they died. Even they died. The thing is that death comes to all. Death comes to all. And today someone reminded me that uh, nobody dies early. Nobody dies early. Everyone dies at their appointed time. Yes. Yes. We cannot say that someone who dies at the age of 20 or 25 that he died early. Right. He just died at the appointed time. Yeah. God had appointed the time for him or her to die. But the thing is that uh, everyone uh, dies. Some die uh, their normal deaths and uh, some dies in some calamity or through some tragedy or, some, uh, or through some accident. But instead of asking question why evil or tragedy exists, the question is that, uh, the question which you must ask is, why was I spared? Yeah. Why was I spared? Why do I live? Why should I deserve to, to live? Why should uh, God give me anything? Why should God give me anything? That's the right question uh, you should ask. At the same time, when you see tragedies and things like these, I think that's the time that uh, you should take a stock of your own life and to see if you have repented from your sins. 
And this is what Jesus said to these people who asked, you know, who shared about this recent injustice. He said, unless you repent, you all likewise perish. You will all likewise perish. So Jesus says that you need to repent. You need to repent. You're talking about these things. You have these things in your mind. You have these questions in your mind. But this is what you need to think about yourself. Have you repented? Have you repented from your sins? If you will not repent, you will likewise perish. They died in a tragedy. You will also die. But you would die. What does the word repent mean? That's a question we need to uh, think about a little bit. What does the word repent mean? Is it saying sorry for our sin? Just saying sorry? Is it feeling sorrowful over our sinful actions? I often hear people say sorry after they have done something wrong and uh, after they, they know that they have done something wrong and they, they say uh, sorry. And uh, at times I ask them, what do they mean by that sorry? Are they, so, are they saying sorry just to get out of that uncomfortable situation? Because they've been convicted, they know others know, they know they've done something wrong. And they feel very uncomfortable. And they, you know, some people say sorry just to get out of that uh, situation. When I was growing up, uh, I had a neighbor uh, who used to drink every Sunday evening. And every Sunday evening after he gets drunk, he would come home, abuse uh, verbally his wife and physically his uh, son. He would uh, physically beat him. Every Sunday, it's the same thing. You will find some excuse and he'll just... Uh, beat him badly. And next day, when he's sober, uh, he would realize what he has done. He would look around and he would say sorry. He would apologize to his uh, wife and uh, kids. But next Sunday, he will do exactly the same thing. He will do exactly the same thing. He will go, get drunk, come home, abuse, scream, yell, beat. Next day, again, he feel... Uh, embarrassed, say sorry, but he will do exactly the same thing. So what does the word repent mean? Is, is it just saying sorry? No. People say sorry because they just want to come out of embarrassment. But that is not the meaning of the word repentance in the Bible. The word repentance uh, is pronounced as metanoio in Greek, metanoio, metanoio. Meta means after, noio means think. Meta means, noio, meta means after and noio means think. Hence, literally, the word metanoio means to think after. Here, in a biblical sense, metanoio means to change one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. What does repentance uh, mean? To change one's way of life as a result of a complete change of thought and attitude with regard to sin and righteousness. It involves three elements. Three elements. Confession, Contrition and change. First, you confess the sinfulness of your sin 
to God. And if you have sinned against your fellow neighbor, you confess your uh, sin to your fellow neighbor. It is an honest admission uh, of the sin which you have committed without any mental reservation. Honest. You admit that you have sinned. You admit you have sinned. Second, it is to be contrite. It does mean that you are sorry for, uh, for what you have done. It does mean that you are sorry and you feel sad and remorse the harm which you have done. The sin which you have committed against God, the sin which you have committed against uh, the people around you. Perhaps it's your parents or grandparents or your children or your friends uh, or neighbors or your spouses. You really feel sorrow for that, what you have done and the consequences of your actions. Then uh, thirdly, Repent is to change your ways. Repent is to change your ways. Turning away from your sins. Turning away. You take a uh, U-turn. You take a U-turn from your sin. It is not enough to know that sin is sin or even shed uh, tears of sorrow. If you're truly penitent, then you will, you will leave your sin behind and follow after God. This is what the word repentance mean. Jesus says, repent or likewise you all will perish. To show the seriousness of what he was saying, he brought to their mind another incident which was pretty fresh in their minds. He speaks about another incident in which a tower fell on 18 people and they all died. This was more of a natural calamity rather than injustice. But the point is the same. Uh, the point is the same, and the question is the same thing. Were they worse sinners than others that they suffered such tragedy? Jesus does not answer why they suffered such tragedy. He just uh, leaves uh, that question unanswered. But he says, unless you repent, you all will likewise perish. This past week, uh, five people went on an underwater expedition, and they died. That was a tragedy. They were not looking forward to death. They were looking forward to some things. They were curious. They wanted to learn. But they all died. And the Spirit of God is reminding you today that uh, if, you will, if, you will not if you will not repent, then, perha then perhaps you will perish. Death, uh, that, death can come anytime. Death is an uninvited guest. It doesn't need your invitation. It doesn't need everyone. It doesn't need anyone's invitation. It is an uninvited guest. Most people actually deceive themselves, uh, thinking that they are going to live into their old age. I think if you ask, uh, what is one of the topmost uh, deception with which uh, people deceive? Almost uh, all people in this world, they think that they are just going to have a normal life. They will grow up, they'll get a job, they'll get married, then they'll be in their 40s, and then their 60s, and their 70s, and 80s, and 90s, and they will die at the age, their old age. But that's a deception. Death is an uninvited guest. It can come through, your death can come through tragedy or through some natural causes or whatever it is. But Jesus is reminding us here that if we will not repent, then we will perish. Now, in verses 6 to 9, we have the need for repentance illustrated. 
Need for Repentance Illustrated. Jesus is a master teacher. Look at that, how much he's laboring in this one simple point. And that should tell you how important this, uh, this topic is. How important this topic is. Because Jesus is laboring this much on this simple point. He knew how to use parables, metaphors, similes, and various other figures of speech uh, to drive home his point. I wish uh, I would uh, you know, have uh, this uh, ability or talent to come up with uh, this many, these many figures of speech. Here he uses the parable of a certain man who had planted a fig tree in his vineyard. A fig tree can grow to a height of almost 30 feet and it could have a spread of over 30 to 40 feet. So it's, it's pretty big. And fig tree uh, is also pretty unique. It's pretty unique. The fruit is not actually a traditional fruit, but an inverted flower with tiny flowers inside. So what you're eating is flowers. And then fig trees have a unique pollination process. They rely on a specific wasp called a fig wasp for pollination. Female fig wasp enters a fig fruit to lay their eggs. And in the process, they accidentally, they accidentally transfer pollen from the fig they originated from to the flowers within the fig uh, they entered. So what they, what they do accidentally becomes a fruit for us. God, 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 exactly. <laughs> this mutualistic relationship between fig trees and fig, fig wasps ensures the pollination of the flowers. And when it is ripe, you get the delicious fruit. Yes. And in ancient Israel, fig trees were considered a blessing. In Judges 9, uh, there is a parable of the trees uh, within a group of trees. Uh, there is a parable of the trees in which a group of trees... Uh, said to the fig tree, saying, You come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over other trees? Then one of the promises which God gives to Israel in the later days uh, is that each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Fig tree was a symbol of blessing and a plenty of harvest for the children of uh, his Israel. And here, uh, uh, Jesus uses uh, uh, the parable of this uh, fig tree, of this barren fig tree, because it was, it was a common sight uh, for the people there. They, 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 they grew up uh, seeing fig trees all around them. And here, Jesus uses this parable of the barren uh, fig uh, tree. And... Uh, Here we see that the owner of the vineyard uh, came looking for the fruit and he came uh, for three straight years. And the thing is that he found none. He found uh, none. People plant fig tree for its fruit. And if one does not uh, find uh, fruit, then what's the purpose of that? It is just, uh, it is just taking up that space. Better than that, uh, he would cut it down and he can put something else. So he would find fruit. And I think fig tree in this context is a symbol of national Israel at this point of time. 
Jesus ministered in Israel for for almost three years now, and still he has not seen a good response to his ministry. People looked uh, for the Messiah, and in the person of uh, Jesus, Messiah is here. People looked for the Messianic age, and uh, in the preaching and teaching, his miracles, his healings, the Messianic age is here. But still, he has not seen a good response from the people. Instead of seeing fruits of repentance from the nation, Jesus sees seeds of opposition from the leaders and establishment in Israel. Is this not true for many people today? His word is preached. Look at uh, this nation. In a sense, uh, this nation is one of the most blessed nations Uh, in the planet Earth uh, at this point of time, in the history of mankind, uh, I think this is one of the most blessed nations in terms of uh, food, opportunities, resources, uh, number of churches, uh, number of uh, seminaries, uh, literature, uh, literature, the freedom, the opportunity. This is one of the most blessed nation on the planet earth people uh, people there are millions who sat under the preaching of god's word uh, for decades but then uh, how are they responding how are they responding and this is a same danger uh, which remains uh, for all of you uh, who, who who has grown up uh, sitting under the preached word of God, uh, enjoyed the benefits of the covenant community. Uh, and uh, But uh, often we don't see fruits uh, among our own members. Sometimes the children were grown up in covenant homes. We don't see the fruit. But the parable of Jesus shows us that every tree that does not bear fruit will need to be uprooted. This is a sobering warning. This is a sobering warning. For three years, the owner of this uh, fig tree came looking for fruit. Uh, There was no fruit. And uh, now there is a warning that if no more fruit, then this tree would be uprooted. But here we see something Uh, very different by the keeper of the vineyard. Keeper of the vineyard. This is the same keeper who labored on this fig tree for all these years. So he's merciful. He's merciful. He does not want this fig tree to perish. He does not want this fig tree to perish. So he says, sir, let it alone this year also. Until I dig it around and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. Three years and no fruit. But keeper of the tree does not want the fig tree to perish so easily. He does not want it to go so easily. It takes years and years for a fig tree to come up. It is easy to cut it down. It will take half an hour. That's it. But then it's gone. But to... To bring up a fig tree, uh, it, it takes years, it takes time and effort and patience. 
he labored it uh, on it for so many years and he want to give some more time to the fig tree so it bears fruit and this is the picture of god's dealing with his people this is the picture of god's dealing with his people my dear congregants god does not want anyone to perish Amen. he does not want he does not want anyone to perish he does not want you to perish in your sins and perhaps that is the single most reason that all of you are alive today all of you are alive today sometimes we have so many questions why lord this in their life why this calamity why this suffering the question is that why are you safe why do you deserve life and perhaps uh, the answer is that uh, lord is patient with you today lord is patient with you today second peter chapter 3 verse 8 says but beloved do not forget this one thing that with the lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance he wants all to come to repentance today god is merciful toward you today god is patient uh, toward you if you will not repent you will perish the children of israel kept on rejecting the gospel the parable this parable was also a prophecy against them which was fulfilled in ad 70 they got some more time after the time of jesus they got another 40 years they got another 40 years but they did not repent and what happened they as a nation were uh, were destroyed by the roman uh, army they were uprooted from their own land and this is the same threat uh, which remains for everyone who hears his word and rejects him but today is the day of salvation today is the day of uh, of uh, good news jesus says repent lest you perish and uh, and have you ever wondered how easy it is to repent just call upon the name of the lord just call upon the name of the lord john 3:16 says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life i like this act fact pact so it's very easy Uh, from this verse you know long back i heard uh, and uh, long back i heard this act fact pack from this verse and uh, i was converted uh, on this verse love is an action and the apostle uh, john says that god loved the world god loved the world this is god's act god acted he loved his people then uh, that it says that he gave his only begotten son this is a fact of history jesus came into this world he was a man he was a man who took on a human flesh god man he came into this in this world to save sinners this is the fact of history then the verse says that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life this is the pact 
which God makes with everyone who comes to him in, fa- in faith and repentance. Whosoever believes in Christ will never perish. Act, fact, and pact. How easy to come to him. And scripture shows us in Titus that even repentance is granted by God. You just come to him. Come to him. You are responsible to repent, but it is God who grants repentance. You are responsible. You cannot say that I'm not responsible. Uh, No, you are responsible to repent. But even this repentance is granted by God. So just come to him, believing in him. It's easy. Call upon his name and he will save you. And my dear congregants, Lord is looking for fruits of repentance. Lord is looking for fruits of repentance. Perhaps today is the day. If uh, you are lacking in fruits of repentance, perhaps today is the day that you confess your sin, call upon him and ask God to work in your life and uh, thanking him that he has given you so many years. Lord, uh, Grant me the hearts of uh, grant me heart of repentance. May the Lord grant fruits of repentance to each one of us as we pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that uh, you have not uh, left us on our own condition, according to our own desires, according to our according to the freedom of our own wills. But Lord, uh, you have called us. Lord, we thank you for your word, which speaks to us, which shows our uh, need. Lord, there is always areas in our life which needs repentance. Many of us uh, are believers. We have professed faith in Lord Jesus Christ, uh, We come to church week after week, but Lord, there are areas where we have not repented from our sin. We will not go to hell because we trust in you uh, and uh, we do not have right standing with God based on our works, even the work of repentance. Uh, It is based on our faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But Lord, we pray that we as your people we would not neglect repenting from our particular sins. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart of repentance and uh, we would repent from every sin uh, which we commit on a daily basis. Thank you, Lord, for your word, and we pray that you would continue to work uh, in our life and we would continue to put our trust in you. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org, where you'll find more information about our ministry. We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.